it's a privilege and it's an honor this morning to be able to share the word with, with you all. It's a word that's been simmering um, for a while now. And just before we went away, God planted this, this word in my heart. And who knows that God's timing is perfect. His timing is absolutely perfect. And there's, so many, there's been so many confirmations received, Emmanuel. You, you quoted a scripture this morning in, in pre-service prayer. We haven't spoken about this. And that's confirmation. And many, many of us in conversation over the last few, few months has just confirmed that this is a word for now. That, you know, I ask myself all the time when we, have, when we receive a word, is this word for me? Or is it for more than just me? And I've, I've got confirmation. I believe that it's for more than just me. It is definitely for me. I can, I can say that as well. So with continuing on the theme of, of intimacy and pastor, when they went away, God had planted in their hearts specifically around the, the subject of intimacy. And it got me, got me thinking specifically you know, when it comes to relationship, relationship, relationship with God, where there's intimacy, where there's um, an opportunity for us to become close to God and feel close to God and, and remain close to God. But then I th- started thinking about the relationships around us and what's God's intention and what is heart for that. So I want to I wanna share with you this morning. God has been speaking to me about the purpose of the church. I don't know why, but He constantly speaks to me about the purpose. Purpose of the church, this is why we exist. Turn to your neighbor and say, this is why you and I exist. So, why we exist is really a a, a few things. First thing that the Bible teaches us is that we exist because we are to love God. Amen? Intimacy. We, are to, we exist to love Him. That's why we're here. The second thing is that we are to love our neighbor as we love ourselves. Love our neighbor as we love ourselves. Then it goes on to the third thing. If you go into the chronology of it all, it's we exist to make disciples. Right? Make disciples, teaching them, and then baptizing them, and then come on church, preach with me this morning. Teaching them, right? Teaching, baptizing them. Now you got it. But when I thought of this, when I thought of outside of what's the first one? To love the Lord your God. Everything else has to do with us. Think about it. Everything else has to do with us. And it's, it's foundational that it's built on relationships. It's built on relationships. Discipleship is built on relationships. So let me, let, me, let me read this to you. Turn in your Bibles to Matthew chapter 22, verse 37 and 39. I think it's up there. This is in the, the Passion Translation, so you might have a different version there with you. But follow with us. Jesus answered him, Love the Lord your God, with every passion of your heart, with all the energy of your being, 
and with every thought that is within you. This is the great and supreme commandment. And the second is like it in importance. You must love your friend in the same way as you love yourself. So this is, this is a representation of community, isn't it? Community, right? So, oh, where's my phone? I want to do this. I don't think this has ever been done before, so apologies. Just indulge me, okay? I want us just to stand quickly. Can we stand? Now, who likes taking photos? Who likes taking selfies? Come on. Selfies? Right, so I'm going to try and get an angle here. Right? To get it get as much of the church in as possible. We're gonna take some photos. Is that okay? Is that all right? It's, it, tell me it's okay. It's okay, thank you. All right, now 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 we need we we need we need you guys just to be spontaneous, right? Like when you take a, a photo, just be spontaneous, just be yourself. Can we do that? All right. Are you ready? This side, are you ready? <laughs> All right, one, two, three. I just want to say the sound won't get onto the photo. Eh? <laughs> All right, come, let's try the middle. Let's try the middle. Are you ready? Okay, did, did you guys hear that? Did you hear the photo? Okay, let me put up the. Okay. All right, over here as well. Are you guys ready? Is this how you take photos? All right. Okay, now, just for good measure, shall we do a selfie? (laughs) Oh, hold on. Here we go. Are you ready? Come and say something. Do something. That's very weak, eh? Come on, let's do it. One, two. Okay. All right, well done. Give yourselves a round of applause. So I didn't take it for my collection. I wanted to make a point this morning. Did you hear the sound that the camera made? Did you hear it? Can you make that sound? I just want to ask, what sort of cameras do you have? <laughs> so I want to I want to share with you this morning. There's something in the in the camera that's called an aperture, right? And the purpose of an aperture is to open up for light to stream through, for the image that the light captures to be reflected on film. Does it make sense, right? So in low light conditions low light conditions, an aperture will open up bigger. Why? Because it captures more light, right? And then captures an image on film. In, in lots of light, it, it doesn't have to open that much, right? But that's, that's essentially what happens. Very similar to your eye. Think about it. When you walk in, in into a dark room, it takes a while for your eye to adjust. What happens to your pupil? It goes wider. It actually goes wider and for more light to stream in. Now I want to I want to paint a picture. I want you to 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 recognize, to remember this as we go through the word this morning. 
Turn with me to Acts chapter 2, verse 42. I want you to see a picture here. A picture, an image of the early church. So for some context, here's Peter after ministering to to so many and 3,000 came to the the Lord. This is what happened after. All right? Acts chapter 2. Are you with me? Have you, got the, have you got it there? You can read it up on the screen as well. It says, Every believer was faithfully devoted to following the teachings of the apostles. Their hearts were mutually linked to one another, sharing communion and coming together regularly for prayer. A deep sense of holy awe swept over everyone. And the apostles performed many miraculous signs and wonders. All the believers were in fellowship as one body, And they shared with one another whatever they had. Out of generosity, they even sold their assets to distribute the proceeds of those who were in in need among among them. Daily they met together in the temple courts and in one another's homes to celebrate communion. They shared meals together with joy, joyful hearts and tender humility. They were continually filled with praises to God enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord kept adding to their number daily those who were coming to life. Isn't that a wonderful image? Isn't that a wonderful moment in time captured there? So I want to pose a question, and I want to, maybe it's rhetorical or not, but is it like that every day? Is it like that every day? Why doesn't it seem to be like that every day? Let's just think for a moment. Do we get along with everybody? Come on, church. Preach with me. No? Who says yes? We get along with everybody. So there's very few, there's very few people that says we get along with everybody. seems like, and and Emmanuel, you you said it in the week, that there seems to be barriers put up. Seems to be barriers, possibly in the spirits, possibly in the natural. So why is that the case? Why is that the case? (laughs) Do you know that the passage of scripture that says you have to love your neighbor as you love yourself appears eight times in the word? Eight times. God knew that it was going to be difficult, so he made it a commandment. He knew that you and I were going to struggle with this. And then he made it a commandment. He said, love the Lord your God, love your neighbor as yourself. This is the new commandment. Especially to those who are closest to us. Can I say that again? Especially for those who are closest to us. Why? Because you know me. I know you. I know your faults. You know my faults. We know that we, we're not, you know, we know every part of each other's lives. And, but yet it seems to be so difficult when it comes to that. So what does it mean when God says, this is a commandment? We have to be intentional about it. 
We have to be intentional about it. Don't you never say, you and I have to be intentional about this. I laughed when I thought about this, when I asked the question, who are our neighbors? No, really, who are our neighbors? <laughs> we, we, we might not even know who, who the people are that stay next to us, our actual neighbors. But who are our neighbors? Come on, speak to me. Who are our neighbors? Who? Everyone else. It is everyone that we come into contact with every single day. So that includes family, includes friends, it includes colleagues, it includes who else? The taxi driver. Oh, man. Oh, the taxi driver. Who else does it include? Other, other cultures, other religions, every people, every person that we come in contact with every day. Right? You see, we, to truly love our neighbors has been preached over the last few weeks. To truly love our neighbors, we have to know the love of God. Is that right? We have to know the love of God. We have to value what he values to be able to truly love our neighbor so 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 it's easy to say and it's simple to say and to de- deduce that if he lives within us then he will live through us right he will live through us to understand that the father loves us just as much as he loves Jesus now that sounds controversial but it's not it's not I'm saying this it's the word that's saying this right John chapter 17 verse 23 says you live fully in me and now I live fully in them so that they will experience perfect unity and the world will be convinced that you have sent me for they will see that you you love each one of them with the same passionate love that you have for me. This is Jesus speaking. Isn't that amazing? Just think for a minute. Just for a minute. He loves you and me in the same way that he loves Jesus. That is, that is incredible. So how will others know? So we think about this and we say, well, if God lives in me, then others will just know. They will just know. They'll, they'll feel it. They'll, they'll feel it. They'll feel it from me, right? They'll sense it that there's something different about me, right? Have you, have you ever heard that? Have you ever heard that being said? So John chapter 13 verse 34 says, So I give you now a new commandment. Love each other just as much as I've loved you. But hold on. In the previous scripture, he said, love others just as you love yourself. Now it goes on and he says, love others just as I had loved you. Uncle Steve, I think you're calling me. (laughs) I thought it was the Holy Spirit, but I think you're calling me. Um, Did you get that? So he says, love your neighbor as you love yourself. So, 
think about that. How do we love ourselves? Have you ever heard, have you heard of this, this new thing that's come out of self-love? Have you heard the, the words being used, self-love? So I can, Im- I can just imagine what happens every morning when somebody gets up, you know, stands in front of the mirror and then says, oh boy, this guy is so, he's handsome, eh? Huh? You just do this and you do the eyebrow thing and, oh man, this guy is handsome. I've got to love myself so much that when I encounter others, I have to love them just as much as I love myself. So sometimes in understanding what something is, you have to understand what it's not. And it's definitely not that. What it is, is that you have to recognize the value that God had placed on your life. Recognize that value and say, because he loved me, because I, he has assigned such huge value to me and others around them, I will love them just as, I, as much as I love me, myself. Did we get that? So it says, I give you a new commandment, love each other just as much as I had loved you. For when you demonstrate the same love I have for you, by loving one another, everyone will know that you are my true followers. Another translation says, they'll know that you're my disciples. So, but hold on, what kind of love is this? What kind of love is this? It's a love Think about it. He says, love others in the way that I've loved you. What, how did he demonstrate that? How did he demonstrate his love for us? By dying. By sacrificing. Now that's amazing. So, so hold on. We've got to love our neighbors as ourselves. Then he says, love others in the way that I loved you. It, it's, it's stacking up now. It, it's, getting, it's getting more and more, becoming more and more. And by the way, this is also a commandment. Because <laughs> he knew that we would struggle in this area. He says it again. Do you know that the definition of ministry is to love? So when we come together as a church and we minister, actually what we're doing is we are loving on purpose. We're showing love to each other in a way that he would want us to. You see, when you love someone, it comes easy. It comes naturally. I don't have to do it out of, out of a place of not knowing, understanding, or being asked to do it. When I love someone, it happens automatically. This is what we are here to do. This is the work of the church. Are you following church? What did he say? He said, love your neighbor as you love yourself. Then he went on to say, love others in the way that I love you which is which is amazing you know an outcome of walking intimately with God is to have deep unconditional love for others Romans 5 or 6 says Christ arrives right on time to make this happen he didn't and doesn't wait for us to get ready He presented himself for this sacrificial death when we were far too weak and rebellious to do anything to get ourselves ready. Did you hear that? And even if we hadn't been so weak, I wouldn't have known what to do anyway. 
we can understand someone dying for a person worth dying for. And we can understand how someone could and uh, good and noble could inspire us to selfless sacrifice. But God put his love on the line for us by offering his son in sacrificial death while we were of no use whatever to him. You know what this kind of love is? It's called a sacrificial type of love. When God asks us to love others as we love ourselves and to love others as He loved us, He's talking about a sacrificial type of love. And you ask yourself, but I know this. Kirk, you're preaching to the converted this. I, know, I love people. I love people. I'm all about people. But then He asks us to sacrifice this our opinions of others. Am I preaching to somebody here this morning? We find ourselves saying, oh, those people. Am I talking to someone here? Have you seen what they do? Did you hear what they said? A sacrificial type of love asks us to surrender. You know what, the, what sacrifice means? Is to let go and to forego. Then he asks us to sacrifice in this way. This is the love. To sacrifice my need to be right. My need to feel justified in what I do. You know, let's make examples, right? Those people do those things a certain way. You know, I was right in saying that we should be doing it this way. And all that does, it creates separation between us. You know what, what this love means? What we are to sacrifice? The right to make judgment calls. You know what a judgment call does? A judgment call elevates one over the other. It says, you know, my, the value system in our house is X. Have you seen what happens in those people's homes? So what it does, it creates a separation and an elevation of one over the other. You know what the sacrificial love requires of us? is to let go of the judgment calls that we make every single day over others. Am I preaching to somebody here this morning? We even make a case in our minds why somebody is worthy of grace over somebody who isn't. Can I get an amen? Sacrificial type of love for others. Forgoes, let goes of the need to hold a grudge. To hold something. I, I can even say to you that at some point, in, some point in our lives, you will be faced with, do I hold on to this or not? And I can even say that there's grudges possibly right now in this place being held against somebody for decades, for decades, for years, for things that have been said, that have been done, 
A sacrificial type of love requires of us to forgive and to let go. To let go. To forego the right to feel this way. You know what? The other, other point on sacri- what sacrificial living or loving means in the context of others foregoing the right to think that people will never change. Listen to what Paul says. Paul says, 1 Timothy 1 verse 13, he says, Mercy kissed me. Even though I used to be a blasphemer, a persecutor of believers, and a scorner of what turned out to be true, I was ignorant and didn't know what I was doing. I was flooded with such incredible grace, like a river overflowing its banks, until I was full of faith and love for Jesus, the anointed one. I can testify that the word is true and deserves to be received by all. For Jesus Christ came into the world to bring sinners back to life, even me, the worst sinner of all. A sacrificial love sits back and says, boy, even me, even me, I was there myself. Is that somebody's testimony? That's certainly my testimony in this house. I was the chiefest, if there's such a word, (laughs) chiefest. A sacrificial love looks at others and says, you can be too. You're covered by grace. You, are, you and I are covered. You and I both are covered by grace. I want to take you back to that passage of Scripture. It's in the last few verses, last few lines in Romans 5. It says, But God put His love on the line, His love on the line for us, by offering His Son in sacrificial death, sacrificial love, while we were of no use to Him, whatever. I want, to, I want to introduce a word to you if I can. Have you heard of the word utility? And you, Do you know what utility means? <laughs> not Eskim, not Eskim. <laughs> uh, utility means that, you know, quite simply put, it is useful. It is something that is useful. So the kind of love that, that God is, is demonstrating and requires of us is one that is not of utility. Let me explain. Utility is the following. Um, I I walked into, uh, I work for R&B in in the Santon office and if you go to our buildings, in the middle of our buildings, there's there's an art display most most of the time. There's always art if you, there's, there's about five, five sculptures, and if you walk in, if you go across the road and you grab a cup of coffee like I do, and walk in up the stairs, if you hit the, the sculptures at a certain angle, you'll see the words think, right? And that's, that's, our, that's our, our theme. Um, it's, it's our motto as, as a company. Recently, they put, a, they put a, a sculpture up, again, a number of sculptures, and as you walk by, you, you kind of stand there and you think, okay, what, 
what does this what does this represent? So you find people in the middle of their day standing and watching. Um, and this one, the, I think it's about seven or eight sculptures, they spell a certain word. And the word it spells is the word tolerance. Tolerance. What is tolerance? Have you heard the word tolerance? It is to tolerate somebody. It is to, you know, in, in the context of, of race and, and gender, we, we would often say things like, we have to be, become tolerant. We have to become aware of certain things, etc. But as part of discernment, we have to discern what God is doing. And, and most importantly, that is what discernment is for us, to recognize what God is doing. But you also see what the enemy is doing. And the enemy is introducing a concept to us as the world that says tolerance is enough. Tolerance is enough. You know what tolerance leads to? Artificial harmony. Because you've got to respect my opinion and I've got to respect your opinion and we don't have to put anything on the line. We, we, we can walk about and we, we can walk past each other. As long as you respect me, I respect you, we can, we can live past each other. Being tolerant means you turn your back so that you don't have to take personal risk. Love is the opposite. Love is when you put yourself on the line and sacrifice your self-interest. For the sake of someone else. So coming back to utility. What is utility? You know that the kind of love that, that you want to produce is out of utility when you find yourself thinking and saying, I have to love him because he's a, I'm a Christian, right? That's what Christians are supposed to do. We find useful reasons why to love someone. And only when we agree does it become easier. It's regarding functional role. I remember my dad always used to say, uh, in fact, he used to do this. You guys must walk like this because you're brothers. You are family. You must walk like this. He used to do this. But what it reminded me of is that even in our family construct, we even say that to ourselves. We are brothers, right? And that's why we have to love each other. We are brothers and sisters, and that's why we have to love each other. We find useful reasons for why we are to love each other. And that's out of utility. It's utility. Let's bring it close, closer to home. Church members. I am a church member. I'm supposed to look like this. And we put our chests out and we, we say, I'm supposed to love these people, right? Because I am a Christian. We find utility. We find a useful reason for why we are to love each other. Let's, can we break down some, some barriers this morning as well? Sometimes we even just do it to keep the peace. Yeah? Is there anybody in this house that can be honest and say there's people in your circle that when you're with them, all you're hoping for is let's just keep the peace, guys. 
Have you heard the words being used? It's not my he or she is not my cup of tea, so I'll just be civil. Let's just be civil. Wow. And utility is when you get something out of in return. If you think about the kind of love that Jesus, that God is talking about, it's a sacrificial, it costs something. It costs something. It's, it, it says you've got to let go of something to love someone else. Second, second thing is utility is not love, it's tolerance. It's not the kind of love he's, he's, he's speaking about. I'm getting something in return, even if that something in return is peace. We don't have to go there. Are you still with me? I'm going to end off with this. Remember we spoke about the aperture. It allows just enough light in. Just enough light to capture the image. So when we say intimacy with God, you've got this horizontal thing going on, vertical, horizontal thing. But why isn't it always the way that it intended? You know why? Because we don't stay open long enough for His light to penetrate our hearts concerning others. It's what Luke 11 says. No one would think of lighting a lamp and then hiding it in the basement when no one would benefit. A lamp belongs on a lampstand where all who enter may see its light. The eyes of your spirit allow revelation light to enter into your being. You recognize the aperture? The eyes of your spirit allow revelation light to enter into your being. Where your heart is open, the light floods in. When your heart is hard and closed, the light cannot penetrate and darkness takes its place. Open your heart, Frontline Church, and consider my words. Watch out that you do not mistake your opinions for revelation light. If your spirit burns with light, fully illuminated with no trace of darkness, you will be, shine, you'll be a shining lamp reflecting rays of truth by the way you live. Intimacy with God does lead to love for others. But only if we open up our spiritual eyes and allow His revelation light, not our opinions, not opinions, not our likes, not our preferences, but allow His light, His revelation light to penetrate our hearts. Is it the opinions of men, including my own, or is it revelation light? How does one know that you, have, you are intimate with God? when you love like he does 
I want to ask the church this morning, can we allow the light in to soften our hearts, to allow His love to overwhelm us and to overflow to others? Can we do that? While your eyes are closed and your heads are bowed, I need to be obedient here. And it may, it may be uncomfortable, but I want to I wanna ask you if there's, if there's a, even a, a hint of unforgiveness in your heart towards others. Then I want you to make a decision today to deal with it. Bring it to the Lord. Confess it. Bring it to the Lord. That, but you say, Kirk, you don't understand. These people have hurt me badly. They've hurt me so badly. They've rejected me. They've called me names. They've pinned me to a cross and watched me die. I want to say to you, Sacrificial love is what it's about. If that's you this morning, I want you to stand. Let them go. Forgive them. Let them go. Forgive them. Let go of your need to hold a grudge. Then I want to ask you, let's bring it close. Think about your family. Think about those you tolerate, have chosen to tolerate out of utility because it's useful. I want you to stand. Say, Lord, I've tolerated this family. When I really look back at it, I've tolerated them. I've not loved them in the way that you want me to love them. ask you if there are people in your circle that you're willingly wanting to avoid and I want to say to you let go and then you make a decision this morning to stand and say Lord not this kind of love but a sacrificial one that's you I want you to stand let's deal with it this morning Let's deal with it this morning. Now, this is the, maybe this is a difficult one. If there's anybody here that has spoken an idle word over anyone, not from a place of love, but from a place of judgment based in opinion over anyone. Say, Lord, this is not the kind of love I want to demonstrate. Then I want you just to raise up and say, Lord, forgive me. 
stand. Deal with it this morning. People have become the conversation in the home. Others have become the conversation in the home. Even in our minds. That's not the kind of love he's talking about. If you're saying this morning that, and this is, I'll end off with this. If you're saying that my heart has been hardened by things, situations, people that have hurt me, Lord, soften my heart once more. If that's you this morning, then I want you to stand. closed off. This has happened. I'm closed off. I'm closed off. You want to see transformation of cities and nations? Here's where it starts. Here is where it starts. Now I want to ask you to come to the altar. This is something so personal. It is something so you and the Lord know about this. I'm here. I'm here. I've, I recognize in many of my, uh, the way I do things, it's out, sometimes out of utility. It's sometimes useful to keep people at a distance. So I'm here. I'm the chiefest. Can I ask you, let's come to the altar. We're going to make some space in front. Just take a knee. And Lord, just ask for forgiveness. If we want to transform cities and nations, if we want to, do and fulfill our purpose as, a, as the church we cannot love in the way that we are allow the Holy Spirit to reveal to you who those people are what the situations are and let's confess let's confess it Lord Sure, I, I, felt, I fall short of your sacrificial love. I love sometimes because it's useful. And then we're going to release unity. Unity. Father, we want to say thank you that it's by grace that we are saved. And Lord, I sense a, an influx of your grace in the house this morning, covering us like a river. And I want to say thank you, Lord, Father God, that you're speaking so clearly that when we are intimate with you, that we would love in the way that you do. And Lord, that's the purpose that you have called the church for, which is to make disciples, to love others as we love ourselves, to love those and others like you love us. I pray, Lord Father God, that this war that has been created for so many years, for such a long time, 
is broken in the name of Jesus. And that this city, this nation, our families, our friendships, our colleagues will know the love of the Father through us and be transformed and changed in an instant. We say thank you, Lord, Father God, for your word. Your word is yes and it's amen. I give you all the glory. I give you all the glory.